If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we are on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 41 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. And this is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, we know what it's like to want a great marriage, but you're not quite sure where to start. So every week, we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that will help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. Stop. Don't make fun of me. Did you flub your line? How about you're supposed to be supportive because you're my husband. I I am supportive. I'm making light of it. Yes. Thank you. I don't feel laughed at. I feel laughed with. You can hear me laughing, don't you? (laughs) You know what's really funny is we had a blind date this week. We did? Yeah. Blind friend date. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Kind of. Well, we... I think I made a connection. I think you did make a love... Not a love connection. A dude connection. Dude love? Bro yeah. love? Yeah. Man I think, love? I think you did. You know, it's kind of strange. What we had some... Scott, this one's coming out to you. <laughs> we had friends. It was kind of a friend of a friend. Kind of more of a professional connection. Yeah, people but, we knew from online. But they moved into town, and we were the only people that they knew. And so... They were like, hey, uh, let's be friends and let's go out to eat. We're like, oh, yeah, sure. We're always up for meeting people. We knew him from online. And I was like, as soon as you get to town, we need to connect because I think they're great people. So it was a connection. And they are great people. But you never know. Like if you're walking into a situation blind. And especially are the ladies going to click? Are the guys going to click? Is is it going to be the weird, like, you know. One person likes them, but the other doesn't. And we've got two little kids that are like shucking queso all over the table. And is Caroline gonna dip her hand in queso and smear it on the the person's (laughs) boobs? Well, I think she did. She may have. (laughs) But we made it out the other side. So I think it was um, (laughs) couple friend success. Blind, success, yeah. blind date success. Yeah. Where I'm trying to hook up a mandate, uh, which I got I to gotta text him back. Okay. Well, you don't need to do it while we're recording a podcast, but we are still... I feel, I feel like we're recovered from vacation. We definitely had a Finally. hangover. Finally. Yeah. After being gone for three weeks, which is kind you of know, too long of a vacation, really. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. Um, I thought two weeks was the perfect vacation. No. Three weeks. Three weeks was great. What got me... Frankly, was Harvey. Uh, I mean, just like I, I, I I've just been kind of heartsick like, about what's it. What's the point of anything? Yeah, it's weird to have that perspective thing about like people are fighting for their lives and their homes and their livelihoods yeah. and everything, and we're like making a fun little podcast. But mm-hmm. you know, un, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, it's like it just keeps going. So yeah, so. So speaking of Harvey, I, I just like we've been wrestling with what can we as the legendary marriage community do 
Um, hopefully you all are engaged in your churches and your community outreach programs and in your neighborhoods and everything. And you're, you're, you're giving your time, your talent, your treasure in some way, because man, the need is incredible. And, and we want to celebrate the thing like JJ Watt, his, Mm. his, his, uh, fundraising has gone into millions and millions of dollars and it's a, it's all just a drop in the bucket to what, what people are going to face. And now as we speak, Miami is bracing for hurricane Irma. Yeah. And so, uh, we've come up with one little way that we as a legendary marriage community can, um, help. And so what we've done is we've designed a couple t-shirts that are, uh, legendary marriage t-shirts and all the proceeds will go directly to, uh, nonprofits that have boots on the ground making a difference in the lives of people who have been affected by these storms. So head up legendarymarriage.com slash store for the details. Yeah. And um, speaking of hard things, you know, everybody's going through some hard stuff dealing. Oh, stop. Just okay, stop. Sorry. Clean rating on iTunes. Keep it, honey. Come on. Keep it. Oh, yeah. Keep it. So we want to talk. We're talking all this month about parenting. So I was... Um, reading an article called Five of the Hardest Things That Parents Face. Oh, oh my gosh. And number one, <laughs> parent the child you have, not the child you wish you had. Well, that um, sounds really hard. I know, but you know what? This really struck me hard the other day. My whole family, my whole side of the family, like when we get together, we all sing and we play the piano and, you know, all that stuff. And I think one of our daughters may be tone deaf. Now, let's be perfectly clear here. I love your family, <laughs> but when it comes to the musical I mean, we're not like the Von Traps or anything, on. but... You all overreach a little bit. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. <laughs> it's wonderful to be a part of. And anyway, so number two... Let your child experience the pain of natural consequences. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So true. I mean, um, hashtag no helicopter mom. <laughs> Let them fall off the bunk monkey bars once in a while. It'll yeah. be all right. Um, I, I like to tell them, here, here's the thing. If you're going to you keep break. doing that. You're going to get hurt or it's going to be this. And then, then I step back. Yeah, you can't always protect them, and it's not necessarily best for them. Number three, facing judgment, shame, and blame from others. Um, So I'm just going to confess this to the whole podcast audience. Our children watch way too much screen time. Go ahead. Bring on the shame. Shame me. Yep. We let them watch shows in the van. We let them watch shows... In the mornings, every now and then, when we're working, working. (laughs) we let them watch shows while we're at dinner with friends just to keep them from pawing all over us. We'd let them watch shows Mm. all the time, but never SpongeBob or Caillou. Moving on. Point number four. (laughs) The I hate you, mom. Now, that's, I feel like, probably mostly for teenagers, but we get a version of that. Yes. We get a version of this, which is our girls say, no kisses, no hugs. And they're sweet little three and five year olds. It's kind of heartbreaking. But all right, number five, letting go of the idea of being the perfect parent. What? It ain't gonna happen. Well, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not sure I buy that. You think you're the perfect parent? No. I think I I think I'm as perfect as I can be. Yeah. Be excellent. You don't have to be perfect. 
Well, you know, everybody wants to be great parents and we worry if we're doing the right things or mm-hmm. not. And if we're adding too much fodder for their future therapy sessions, which we probably like are. <laughs> but as it turns out, being a legendary parent may be simpler than you think. We have a great free resource for you this month called Five Practices of Legendary Parents. Yeah, just hit up legendarymarriage.com slash parents and download your free copy today. So oh today, my gosh, who do we have on the show today? Oh my gosh, today we have Erica and Raph Robinson, and they'll be sharing about the ups and downs of their life as a young couple, scuba diving with sharks, owning bars on 6th Street in Austin, and how they are on the new adventures as a married couple, like dealing with career shifts, medical crisis, tiny house living, and always asking the question, God, what are you teaching us and what is next? You know, I feel like sometimes we get lost in the day-to-day, just kind of floating along. And this is really true in transition phases. Mm -hmm. Erica and Raph give some great strategies about how to look for what God is calling you to in the next phase of life. Yeah, they're serial entrepreneurs, adventurers, and co-active coaches. They have two small daughters, and they're currently opening a B&B and retreat space where men and women can encounter God in nature and find their true identity and mission in this world. So welcome, Erica and Raph Robinson. When we found out y'all were going to be on the show, we were so excited because we have the heart of adventure too. And I know you guys do also. So tell us a little bit about um, your adventures before you were married. I'll let you go first, Erica, because I think you're like overseas adventures. Like you've got some pretty adventurous stuff before me. Yeah. I, I grew up overseas in Saudi Arabia. Um, my dad was in the oil industry, and I was actually the third generation to go over there. Um, my grandfather started work back there in the 1940s. Um, and so I have a wide variety of friends from all different cultures and backgrounds, and I was able to travel the world. Um, I went to boarding school when I was 15 years old out um, here in Austin, Texas. And so, you know, I would, I left home at 15. My brother did when I was in fifth grade to go to boarding school and, you know, flew from Saudi Arabia to Amsterdam or London, had eight hour layovers and, and flew to school. And that's what we did. And we would go back two or three times a year to visit our family and friends. And she's also scuba dive like all over the world before we even like met. I think you have your master's scuba like as a teenager and like mm-hmm. scuba dives at night and with sharks and that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> you are for real hardcore. Do you still scuba dive? No, it's been a while, but I will say there's not much to do in Saudi Arabia when you're a teenager, so that was one of the big things is the Red Sea is on the Western coast. And so that was just kind of what you did as a teenager when you went to boarding school and came back for the summers. Like, do you want to spend all day at the pool or do you want to go on an adventure and learn how to scuba dive at the Red Sea? Wow. That's hmm. amazing. Let me think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Raph? What kind of adventures did you uh, go on before you met Erica? Ooh. Um, I feel like my adventures were more along the lines of like um, crazy high school, like what you would 
watching like one of those like high school movies where you know a bunch of dudes get together and go on some like wild crazy adventure um like one that comes to mind i was always like the master planner and so um we had an adventure where in high school i rented a house and 17 guys uh my high school stayed in this house on the beach in south padre island for spring break um I don't even know how I was able to do that because I wasn't even 18. Um, but they never asked for my ID. <laughs> let, me uh, guess, let me guess, you never got your deposit back. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, that was an absolute crazy adventure. Uh, going to Mexico, um, back when it was a little more safe to just kind of like hop back and forth the border, um, yeah, and that's just, that was kind of normal life for us. Um, and, you know, talking my friends out of, or talking the Mexican police out of arresting my friends. Oh uh, my goodness. Yeah. Because I was one of the only ones that spoke Spanish. Um, so, and we, we actually got out of going to jail with $22. (laughs) Um, Oh, so they were pretty uh, easy payoff, huh? Just 22 bucks. Yes. And, and I explained to him that my friend was crazy. Oh, what what in reality, he just had a few too many to drink, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So now that, so you then a little a few years later you had um, a bar on uh, in downtown Austin on Sixth Street. So what inspired to be a bar owner? Sure. Uh, so my dad had owned nightclubs in San Antonio, and I, I think just kind of seeing the possibility of being an entrepreneur and seeing my dad's entrepreneurial spirit. Um, And so I started, my dad would let me during the summers uh, work at his nightclub, uh, occasionally like washing dishes and stuff like that. Um, And so when I moved to Austin while I was in school, there were so many bars that I was like, oh, this would be an easy job for me to to get, you know, as a part-time job. So I started working uh, downtown on 6th Street. And then just started having a lot of fun. And as I was taking my business classes, I started to just kind of see how most of these owners uh, were not applying good business practice, but were still making a lot of money. Mm. Um, and so uh, I said, I think I could do this. And uh, one of my classes, we had to write a business plan. And so I wrote a a business plan and just started kind of perfecting it. And um, I worked for an asset management firm right out of school, which gave me a lot of good just experience and just seeing how uh, serious investors, what they look for in terms of just kind of risk and what they want to see in terms of return on their money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I was able to really utilize those skills to approach high net worth people to with a solid business plan. And uh, really what I got was young guys who wanted to look cool by saying that they own part of a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but did they give you money? <laughs> What's that? 
But did they give you the money? Yes, yes. And, <laughs> and I was just, you know, I, I've always just been kind of a, a go-getter. If I see something that I'm like, I want to do that, I just go do it. You know, it's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll figure out how to do it, and then I'll go do it. So I just talked to other bar owners, did a bunch of research, and the first guy that I approached, um, landlord, about renting his space, he turned me down because I think he just saw it. I was 21 at the time. Wow. He wound up coming back a year later because I kept bugging him. (laughs) And he finally said, okay, well, you know, I'll give you a shot. And so he gave us a shot renting out our very, our space for our first bar. Wow. Wow. Is that how you got Erica? You were just relentless? Yeah, I would would say that's pretty (laughs) accurate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how did y'all meet? Uh, we met in my dorm room freshman year. Uh, one of my friends' friends from Saudi Arabia that I had never met before came to meet me. Um, was like, you know, I'm good friends with Sonia and uh, wanted to meet you. Blah blah blah. And here's my new fraternity brother. I just transferred from California. I want you to meet him. And it was Raf. And uh, he. Oh, I was on my way to a Matchbox 20 concert. Awesome. Uh, and Raph, and I had no idea who they were. This was 1997. And uh, Raph was like, you don't know Matchbox 20? Oh, they're my favorite band. He was like, oh, I know all these songs. And I'm like, oh, awesome. He's like, yeah, listen to this one song. You got it, you know, whatever. And so I was intrigued by him because he knew who I was going to see. And so I was excited. Um, but yeah, we were friends for three years before we dated and I really never had a serious boyfriend before him. And it definitely was relentless pursuit that kind of wore me down, but <laughs> you fact, didn't won your heart. the fact that we were friends first was very, was what also did it for me because I was able to be myself and I don't yeah. think I ever felt that way with anybody else. Wow. Well done, Raph. Yeah. Now, so for Raph, he was the one pursuing you and you were the one that wanted to be friends. Is that how it looked? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> he didn't make it super obvious. Like he, he had a good game. Like it was a lot of just hinting and flirting, but it wasn't ever like, oh, I want to be your boyfriend or something like that. You know, so it kind of kept that sort of fun, playful, like, oh, he's pursuing me, but it's not like he's too desperate that I would not be interested. Um but yeah, I actually um, dated one of his friends before I dated him because he just wasn't my type, I thought. <laughs> yeah. My, not just one of my friends. He was like my best friend and my roommate. Whoa. <laughs> Stab you right in Awkward. the heart. Awkward. <laughs> it's not like Raph was pining for me. He had plenty of girls. <laughs> oh, and now the other side of the story comes to light. He was class flirt in high school of it, whatever, triple A, is that what you call them? I didn't go to public school. Five A. Five A school, class flirt. Oh, class flirt. Now, um, so y'all got married. Now, did you still have the bar when you got married? No. Um, So my my bar pursuits kind of kept going. And uh, yeah, I, I wound up buying another bar and then also uh, buying a coffee shop that I had planned on turning into a bar. Uh Uh, And we we 
wound up keeping it as a coffee shop uh, and then just added the bar uh, as well. Um, but we, we actually broke up uh, about six months after I opened the first bar. Uh, oh, wow. I think Erica just kind of quickly saw where things were headed. And I was completely committed to work and really just wasn't, you know, making time to for a relationship. Um, so we, we broke up for a while um, while I owned the bars. And it wasn't until I got out of the bar industry um, that we wound up kind of rekindling our relationship. Yeah, what led you to shut down that first, the the bar scene kind of thing? Um, so I, I went through a spell of, I'd say, depression um, and, and just couldn't understand how from the outside it seemed like I had everything that I thought that I wanted, you know, the, sure. the awesome apartment downtown with the, you know, with the view and lots of friends and, you know, multiple businesses and just everything that I thought that I wanted and woke up one day and was just completely sad. I mean, I I was bawling and couldn't explain why it just made no sense to me. And, um, so I called two people, Erica and my mom and my mom's answer was, well, you need to go to church. And Erica's answer was, you need to go see a therapist. And so I did both. Um, But I went to a counselor um, that was on staff at Gateway. And I had heard about Gateway um, on the radio and also through some other people that I knew. And so I started checking out Gateway and uh, wound up on a mission trip to Mexico um, somehow. Well, I certainly think that God had that lined out because I just sent an email requesting information. And the next Sunday I met Nate Elberger and shaking my hand and so excited. He was like, we're so happy to have you on the trip. It's going to be awesome. And I was like, I don't even know anything about the trip. I just asked you for information, (laughs) but he just has a way of like not being able to say no (laughs) to him. That's he, Nate. He already saved your seat on the bus. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and so it, it was a life-changing experience for me. And I had a, uh, a, a dream while I was there that was interpreted uh, by another person on the trip. And it was a very clear message. And I you know, felt that God was saying it's time to leave you know, this lifestyle this little kingdom that i had built for myself behind oh wow and so i made that decision on that trip and uh came back to austin and let my partners know and i think they thought i was probably crazy sure (laughs) Uh, i didn't believe him when he told me he wanted to sell the bars yeah, Erica, what was what was going through your mind? You know, he's, you know, going on a mission trip. He's closing his bars. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, so we had started going to church together um, as friends. That was kind of our thing. We would meet at church. And I, I, I was not a Christian. I did not have a Christian background growing up. And so mm. um, Gateway was the very first 
and only church really that I just loved and um, felt a part of and accepted. And, um, and so that was a big deal to me. And so during this time of growth, when we were not together, but still kind of it was one of those things where we were still very much in love, but knew that it wasn't the right thing and that it just wasn't healthy at that point. There was, there had been, you know, lying and cheating and just, it was just drama and not built on any sort of foundation of trust or healthy boundaries. Um, And so, yeah, God was really working on me during that time. And, um, you know, I just felt like I actually gave my life to Jesus during that time. Um, And yeah, it just, I mean, it was a huge, like, miracle honestly that we ended up working through that and growing through it um because how many couples can you say have been through crazy stuff like that and actually have come out on the other side with a healthy outlook and healthy foundation and so yeah yeah I love how you just you guys were both wise enough to each work on yourself individually like you're developing your relationship with Christ. Raph is going to therapy and going to mission trips. And how many couples get into a tough, you know, situation like that and they just try to latch on to each other or lash out at each other or whatever it is instead of working on themselves. So what a beautiful, what a beautiful advice that I hope our listeners can take from that. Like yeah. work on yourself and then bring that to your relationship. I love it. So when did the tide turn? And you got married. Yeah, yeah. So I'd say he actually did still own the bars when we started dating again, but we were going to church and we were a part of a small group together and he was coming home, you know, right at 2 a.m., not wasted kind of thing, (laughs) you know, healthy boundaries. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, so when you went on the mission trip, like, I was really excited. Nate actually took me aside and was like, what can I do to get Raph excited and pumped up about this trip? And I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, he's like, do you think he'd be an interpreter? Do you think he'd be up for that? And I was like, yeah, I think that would be a great way to like get him involved. And he would be excited that he could, you know, speak Spanish and connect with the people. And so that was his thing. He was the interpreter. And uh, so, yeah, like, he came back from Mexico, a changed man. And I was, I just remember having conversations, crying with my girlfriends, being like, pinching myself. Like he says he wants to sell the bars. Like he says he wants this new, you know, he's ready for change and all this stuff. And it took me a while to wrap my mind around it because I almost didn't believe it. I was like, now he'll, you know, go back for, Someone will convince him or, but he stayed, I mean, very steadfast, which was a miracle too. Back in the early days, did you ever think you'd own, um, you'd be beekeeping and running a retreat center together? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So how did, how did that uh, vision, how did that vision change? You got married and now you're on your own adventures, you know, you you were doing your individual thing and now you're, what are you all doing together? It sounds like you have a few businesses. Sure. Um, well, there are certainly some adventures kind of along the way, you know, of traveling. We, we took a month off our honeymoon and traveled all over Costa Rica. And, you know, we spent about three and a half weeks traveling, you know, 
all over Europe. You know, that was one of the things that Erica had, you know, spent her whole life doing and wanted to bring me into that. And I had never traveled much, really at all outside of like hopping across the border in Mexico and getting crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that, that was a really cool, I think that was kind of the first adventure for us is like her bringing me into some of the adventure that she had done. Um, But then I think fast forward um, this idea of just, I think intentional community. Um, there was there was one particular trip that I had gone on uh, snowboarding, and a couple of the guys we were talking about um, the houses that we build in Mexico and how simple and basic and just they they meet the basic needs of living and and how we just overcomplicate life and you know how you can take your average suburban street and you know let's just take one block and let's say there's 12 houses on that block well there's probably 12 different um lawnmowers and 12 different you know chainsaws and everybody you know has their own thing sure and the reality is if everybody just shared you know you could have one really awesome, you know, riding lawnmower because nobody's going to, you know, cut their grass at the same time, you know, all the time. Um, and so we started really looking at this idea, you know, stemming from the Church of Acts and how everybody brought what they had and they all shared. And, you know, those who had more were able to help those who had less. And we were like, man, you know, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that, you know, look so cool and and, uh, yeah, the idea was like, well, you know, people have tried these communes <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's like, it's such a weird word. Like it has a, a, a weird connotation for some reason, but it makes so much sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then one of our neighbors, uh, we were living in a condo out, um, like in Westlake area and he's a landscape architect and he invited us to a seminar uh, that he was going to around um, permaculture and intentional communities, and uh, and we we had talked about just knocking uh, a hole between the wall from our condos because they were are directly next to us, and kind of living out this life of like yeah I think we were thinking more like friends yeah it's like yeah you just kind of share whatever and you walk in each other's house you know unannounced and you know kramer style (laughs) Um, kramer perfect example (laughs) except for you'd ever want him to come over really and then he just eats stuff (laughs) and they would probably you know hate me because i'm one of those people that just like sees food in the fridge and eats it and doesn't ask who it belongs to Mm -hmm. So like all my college roommates were just like, dude, like, come on, man. So I became the human garbage disposal. That was, that was my nickname. Oh, good grief. So um, did you blow out the wall? We we didn't blow out the wall, but we, we just started that that dreaming together of, you know, wouldn't that look cool? What would that look like? And um we went to that, that seminar, um, and we learned the word intentional community was a better term than commune. Mm. Sure. (laughs) Um, but we also like that, 
that term because uh, the idea of intention and and really establishing what your values are and saying, you know, we're going to pursue, you know, a life with these values. And so what did that, so did you end up doing an intentional community? We're in the process. Uh, so uh, I, th- I think the first kind of step towards it, um, you know, there, we, we dream a lot and, and, and in a lot of circumstances we say, wouldn't that be great if, and sure. we, we leave it there. And, and I think we had left it there uh, as, you know, that that'll maybe one day down the line, if, if God just kind of waves his magic wand and then puts the opportunity in front of us sure, and we just kind of continue down our, I'd say just road of normalcy um, until I had a stroke um, two years ago. This episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Legendary Marriage Intensive. Rediscover the heart of your marriage. If you love each other, but you've lost heart, then it's time for the Legendary Marriage Intensive. A beautiful mountain lodge, three days of clarity, purpose, adventure, and renewing your love for each other as you forge friendships and transform your marriage forever. We'll help you look at the story of your relationship with fresh eyes so that you can fall in love all over again. You'll resolve some of those long-standing and recurring challenges and craft a clear, fresh vision for the next season of your marriage and family. Oh, and you'll have some epic adventure in the mountains and a romantic night on the town. It is deep, rich learning, adventure, and plenty of laughter. That's the focus as you forge those friendships and build the skills and tools to transform your marriage and family forever. October 19th through 22nd, In Breckenridge, Colorado, we have limited space, so find out more and apply at legendarymarriage.com slash intensive, or for questions, email us at Justin at legendarymarriage.com. And now back to part two of our interview with Erica and Raph Robinson. And that really just kind of shook things up in our world Um, and what the outcome of that was we got into some pretty significant financial, um, I don't know if I'd take distress, but definitely racked up some debt um, due to medical bills, due to me not working. Um, for six months, we, I was going through testing and having procedures done, trying to figure out what what caused the stroke because doctors were like, you're 36 years old and healthy. Like this is not supposed to happen. Um, and they, to this day, they, they still weren't able to figure out a cause. Um, but I think just through a lot of prayer and, and soul searching, uh, I think God was just really trying to get our attention. Uh, I, I you know, ask God, well, did you really have to take my eyesight because I'm blind in, in one eye now? Um, but, it, it, you know, it, I've come to look at, at 
that as the catalyst of all these great things that happened. So due to our financial situation, um, I had looked at tiny home living um, and was just fascinated with all these tiny home shows. And we found uh, a tiny house on Craigslist um, that was in our price range. And I, this was like a week after my stroke um, and I told so her, let's yeah. move, let's move. We yeah. have nothing else to do. <laughs> and to be clear, I think it's a good kind of, um, clarification is that we didn't have a lot of debt, uh, really, but it was, I think it forced Raph mostly, um, to say what is going on here? Why, if, if God wanted my attention, what is going on? Sure. What sure. am I putting first in my life? What? you know, what do I want to put first in my life? And I think it boiled down to priorities and um, his feeling the need to work, work, work in order to keep up this certain lifestyle. And so in his mind, it all kind of aligned and the light bulb went off of, okay, I still want the same lifestyle, but I don't want to have to work, 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 work. What's the secret here? What's the what what's the magic and so that's where tiny home living really came to be is because he didn't want to have to work all the time and he wanted to put family first yeah so the true meaning of intentional living really came full circle there you wanted to be intentional so yeah you were able and now you have two children did you have kids at the time when you went to tiny home living yes we did yeah they were three and two at the time we did it for a year Mm-hmm. And how, what sort of challenges did you face just doing the whole downsizing thing with kids and all that and, you know, health problems? And I would say the downsizing part was the hardest part, just the, the purging. I mean, we, we made 14 trips, truckloads to Goodwill. Um, wow. We had a garage sale. Uh, we gave a bunch of stuff away to to like friends and and family, and we still had a a storage unit, a ten by ten storage unit. Isn't That's it amazing? Of, yeah, it's amazing amount. how you think. You know, we don't we don't have that much stuff, and then you try to move, and you realize <laughs> like every nook and cranny's got something in it. That's exactly yeah, right. We were like, oh, we haven't even gone through the attic yet. Oh no. <laughs> uh. yeah. What about the girls? How did they do with the downsizing? They loved it. I mean, they they still talk about wanting to live back in, we called it our casita, um, because the the layout was actually, it's it's perfect for a small family. Um, so there's a loft, there's a loft upstairs, there's two lofts. And one was their bedroom, and then the other loft was their playroom. And so for kids, it was like a giant playhouse. Yeah. And so they loved it. And whenever kids would come over to, you know, for playdates, it was like you were not getting them downstairs. They were just like having so much fun because it just felt like a big playhouse to them. Yeah. Wow. And now, so you got super intentional. You got the tiny house. And so you're not in the tiny house anymore? Nope. What what happened that I'm curious, like, I, I love that you're such big visionaries, like you have this vision of being intentional and the tiny house. When do you know it's time to like, for a new vision or like a shift in the vision? 
that's a whole story too. I mean, uh, basically what happened was one of the things that came out of Raf's stroke was he really decided that he wanted to sell the coffee shop that we'd had for 10 years because um, he was also owning and running and a partner at Slab Barbecue. And so he's like, I have too much stuff on my plate. What can go? Um, and so he decided that even though the Irene was his baby, like it was yeah. too much responsibility for him at the time because first person to call when someone doesn't show up, first person to call when the alarm's going off in the middle of the night and, you know, just he can't, he couldn't do that anymore. Um, and so he started shopping it around and friends, investors, other people, you know, just word of mouth type thing. And we finally, he finally um, sold it to some friends of ours and back in October. And so we were like, wow, we get to dream again. Like we're going to be able to pay off debt and we'll have some money to let's just put it in savings and not do anything rash. Let's, you know, <laughs> for a little while, right. Let's be responsible. Sure. Um, well, literally a month later, we went out to Dripping Springs for a weekend away to celebrate the sale of the coffee shop because we really just hadn't done that. Um, I, I, I knew Ralph needed some kind of closure on that chapter and I wanted to celebrate with him. Yeah. Well, we went on a weekend away and, um, met this great lady, Susan, who runs a and b here in town and, told her kind of about our vision and dream of owning this community one day and how we, you know, wanted to hold retreats and have tiny homes and all this stuff. And she said, the one thing I will tell you about Dripping Springs is if you like this area, buy now because the price just keeps going up. We're like, oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Um, was it that night or the night before that I had a dream? I think it was the night before because we, we were telling her about the dream. Okay. So the night before that, we had talked to Susan, um, the very first night on our weekend, I had a dream and it was very clear to me that um, God wanted me to end my chapter um, in my career and start a new chapter. Um, and so I woke up and it was kind of this sort of seriousness of, wow, that felt really like God speaking to me. I'm, I had some quiet time. I journaled. I told Raph about it. I was worried what he was going to say. And he didn't take it lightly either, which I think is great because it could have easily been tossed out the window as some, oh, Erica had a margarita last night and the tequila just got. Um, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah, of course. It always sure. happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, now we both were like, okay, well, does that mean I'm supposed to quit tomorrow? Like, you know, I'm the one that has the kind of steady steadiness of the family as far as income and benefits go. And we're just like, okay, we don't know about that part, but we know we're supposed to move forward with this. So we, you know, we just felt like that whole weekend we were, we had the best time. It was like wearing rose colored glasses. It was just, the sunsets were amazing. The hill country was amazing. We kept meeting all these amazing people and running to all these hip old friends of ours that were moving out to the, the area that owned food trucks and had farms and breweries and all this stuff. And we we're like, this is an awesome place. And we got married out here nine years ago. We just never been out here since. Hmm. From a little and, circle. Yeah, exactly. 
And so uh, that night, Raf looked up um, on Zillow a prop, a couple properties here in Dripping, and I was like, "That one with ten acres it has a pasture. I would love to have this one day." And um, what three or three days later, our real estate friend showed it, showed us the property. And Shout out to Toddy B. There you go. <laughs> and literally six days later from the day that I had my dream, we owned the property. Wow. And so yeah. did you quit your nine to five? I'm in the process of that. Right yeah. Now. And now, so tell us about your new property, your new business in Dripping Springs with the beekeeping and... Well, I don't want to pass over that because you're not just in the process. You put in your resignation last week. I did. Wow. Well, that's a big deal. Like, were you scared to do well, that? No, no, I was really, well, I was a little nervous and anxious, but I'm, I have very good rapport and um, the people there are really amazing. And so it was very supportive. They were very supportive of it and very positive. And I had actually just accepted a job at my at our daughter's new school. So I'm going to be um, the admin there. And so it felt right. I mean, God opened that door because we need the income until we really get our foot or sure. we get this rolling um, and fully off the ground. I needed some more income. And so this was the perfect opportunity. And so what <laughs> what is the... What's the the vision for the for the retreat space, the the property? What's it going to be? So, um, so both of us have been a part of either Braveheart Community, which I, I was lucky sure. enough to do with you, Justin, and yeah. then um, Eric has been to Destiny Project. Uh, and one of the cool outcomes from from that for both of us is being able to kind of speak the same spiritual language and really look at each other in, in I think in a in a more whole um, Christ-like way to where when we share what our identity is and we share what our values and we're able to really see each other beyond the just you know, this is a person I've known my whole life, but really to see their true identity. And when we started dreaming, you know, one of the things that we we got so much out of that experience and what it meant for us individually, but also as a married couple. And we're like, man, wouldn't it be so great if we could, you know, provide a space that we could continue that work and, you know, facilitate that for other people. Um, and just to give people that space of just disconnecting from just the grind um, yeah. and just being able to be intentional about just spending time with God. Um, and, and we both experience God in a, in a very visceral way, I think, when we're in nature. Um, so and so, yeah, I think that that, um, joined or, or shared value of, of really wanting to share that, that experience with other people is, re- is kind of the, the basis of wanting to create the retreat space. 
mm-hmm. um, so that people can have those experiences. Um, and then, and then on the other part, you know, one of the things that we discovered in tiny home living was, you know, what, what we really value, um, mm. and, you know, being time with each other and, and a lot less value on stuff. Mm. Uh, and so, and really wanting people to be able to experience what that looks like. And so, and, and also providing a space for people who want to do that, um, because it's extremely difficult, um, in most cities and, and even out in the country now for people to do that because of all the restrictions and regulations. And so finding this property was, was huge because we're outside of the city limits because we're outside of a jurisdiction. Um, it's unrestricted property. So there's a lot of things that we can do, um, out here, which tiny homes included, um, it's like so. intercoastal waters. You can just go nuts. International huh? waters. Oh, what what I say? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. All that y'all are doing now. I I love how just you know when it sounds like every time you shift your vision, it's like you feel that God is telling you, okay, it's time to shift. It's time to dream again. It's time to make a new vision. And I love, I love that. I hope our listeners can take in some advice from that too. Um, So how can we find you? Um, How can we find your retreat space and what y'all are doing? Uh, Well, we're going to call ourselves the honeybee house because the property came with two beehives, but this business guy over here realized that if we have eight beehives, we can have a tax break and ag exemption. So we have eight beehives now. And (laughs) (laughs) so we are an official agency. And uh, we have an email address, honeybeehouseds at gmail.com. Uh, we don't have a website yet. We're still working on that, but you can also find the Queen Bee Suite on Airbnb um, in Dripping Springs. And um, the rest is kind of still in construction, if you will. Yeah. yeah. So we're putting in all the infrastructure right now, yeah. uh, which, I mean, it's been so amazing to be on this adventure where God is leading. Um, it's, it, it, it feels very natural for me to uh, write a business plan, you know, go through the steps, uh, getting the investors, doing the pitch, um, securing the money, executing the plan. That feels very natural to me. Um, but this experience has been different in that we have done those things and we have done our due diligence, but God has showed up in ways that is like my plan, his plan has been better than my plan. And we haven't even had to like go out and, and, you know, do the pitch. He's just been like sending people our way. Like Erica was just having a conversation with another mom at the zoo and the mom next to him overheard the conversation and said, Hey, yeah, that sounds really interesting. I may be interested in investing. Sure enough, they invested. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it's fantastic. 
Yeah, it's been awesome. Well, well, we're, we're yeah, yeah, we're so excited to hear, you know, all that y'all are doing and um, I'm sure you'll be flooded with uh, new visitors and, you know, amazing success as you open your, your B&B. And thank you so much for joining us today on. Yeah, I can't the, wait to do some, uh, some legendary marriage stuff out there. Yeah, really. Um, we're we're doing our training, so we're learning. We want to learn more from you guys on that stuff. Huh? Amazing. All right. Partners in action here. Absolutely. So, I'd also like to offer up a, a free uh, weekend stay for you guys. That way you can have an amazing experience and yes. then go share with your guests. Oh my wow. goodness. Well, let's book it next week. Yeah. We, we, yeah. <laughs> we, we gotta get home from this trip first. Oh yeah. Wait, why are we talking about another vacation? <laughs> <laughs> so cool that so many different adventures and even things that they didn't expect. And, you know, when you're married, things come up. There are health crises. There are changes in career. There are all sorts of things. And the consistent message was that every time they didn't just float along or just muddle through or just try to survive or whatever it was, It was like they were always looking for the meaning of, well, what's the next story? God, what do you have for us that's next that's going to be even bigger and more amazing than what we just did in the the last couple of years? It's like they're always in a position to receive the big dream. Yeah. The the big dream. And, you know, I I feel like a lot of times in marriage, sometimes we get to this point where it's like, you feel like you're doing the same old thing. You know, it's just a different year or a different day or a different hour. And it's more of the same old, same old. And they're not satisfied with that. And I'm not satisfied with that either. Um, So I always do want to be asking that question, God, what's the vision that you have for our marriage? You know, are we going to be living in an intentional community, which I think is so amazing, by the way, just the whole idea of embracing being intentional. And that's a big part of asking what's next is like, you're intentional about the fact that there's always a new story to be written. Yeah. I think what strikes me is um, their ability to, um, in the middle of uh, a storm, uh, something that's just, you know, he has a stroke, they go through some financial challenges, so on and so forth, to pause and ask the question, you know, God, what's next? But more than that, to see it, it's a perspective thing. Totally. To see those moments as a moment to pause and inquire to, as, a, as a catalytic moment. Yeah. Um, where I think I all too often hit those bumps in the road, hit those crisis points, um, a big or small, and, and simply freeze or... Yeah. Well, it's almost like it's, it's a, it's a sign or a warning light for them. It's like for them, it is just a rhythm of like, Mm -hmm. we, we do what we did the last time God, God called us to do something amazing and big. And now 
oh, it's time to shift and think about what's next for us. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's really hard, I think, sometimes, especially when you get older, I think kids are more adept at this, but just dreaming, too. Not only is, like, what is God calling you to, what vision does he have for your marriage, but also just, like, dream a big dream, not just the, you know, I hope, Mm, hopefully I'll pay the bills and, you know, yeah. do the chores and keep us from killing each other or whatever. Um, but there's a bigger dream. Again, <laughs> you say something like that every episode. Hey, I'm just trying to resonate with the uh, listeners. You know, sometimes you do want to just uh, okay go no. a little crazy. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Honey, I love you. Uh-huh. It's a passionate kind of love. Okay. (laughs) So here's the challenge to our listeners. Get with your spouse this week and ask God the question, what's next? What do you have in store for us? What's our next big vision? What's the next dream you have for us? And I'm I'm so curious to find out what happens in those conversations because that's a big question. It is. Um, we asked that in our intensive program, that, mm-hmm. the, the retreat, and it's it's uh, it's a it's a real eye opening kind of a moment for couples to to take time to really just ask that question. But it's so exciting too because a lot of times we do feel like directionless, like ho hum. Mm-hmm. We're just going through the same old, same old, and it's really um, invigorating. To have something that the two of you are just like, yeah, we're going to go like they did, like build a tiny home, like a really big, crazy thing that you're doing together. I thought it was tiny. A big vision of a tiny home. Um, Uh, Now you're getting tricky. It's not, not only is it, it, you know, breathing life into, into life or into a relationship, but I think vision is essential. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the old adage where the people lack vision, they perish. They perish, yeah. And I think it's the same for a marriage. When we don't have uh, our eyes on what is the big story that we're trying to create and mm-hmm. live out mm-hmm. and, and what is the legacy we're trying to live and create, then we devolve into a lot of just maintenance and or fabricated drama just to feel alive yeah (laughs) you know because that vision thing really is invigorating and it makes you feel alive but if you're not quite sure what you're pointing at or you just feel like you're in that ho-hum place you you still want to feel alive um but you tend to pick at things that don't need picking at just to feel that a little drama kind of feel. But anyway, so there's the challenge. Get with your spouse and ask and God, what's come next? join the conversation over in our free community on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support and encourage, inspire, and share stories about transforming your marriage from ordinary to legendary. Yeah, search for the Legendary Marriage Group or visit www.legendarymarriage.com slash community. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 041. Don't forget to jump on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a great week. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.